Hello peacekeepers, I am back and today I have an episode for you that is going to make you want to puke and sit at home and sob with ice cream for 12 years. And many of you are going to ask, Cindy Marie, why would you do such a disgusting case? And I will say, well, because I am extremely, I cannot stress that enough, extremely tired of pedophiles getting away with such monstrous things just because they have a platform. I'm looking at you, Onision. Cough, cough. And while we're on the topic of Onision, if you guys haven't joined the Facebook group, Kai is crying, you're definitely missing out on all the super epic onion roasts. And for those of you who don't know who Onision is, he is a YouTuber with this giant platform that YouTube refuses to take down. But don't worry because Silver Fox Chris Hansen is on his case and he's about to have a seat. But anyways, back on track. Many of you that listen to true crime podcasts know that things are going to get pretty bad. They normally get bad regardless, but this, I cannot stress this episode how how bad it is like there is no words for this so you guys already know that I love to give my trigger warnings but this is like a trigger warning times 7,000 so if you guys cannot listen to things like this then I highly recommend that you don't but with all that being said I'm going to share the national sexual assault telephone hotline And if you or somebody you know is struggling with sexual assault, please let them know that there is a number they can call and people will be there to listen to them and help them. 1-800-656-HOPE or 1-800-656-4673. And without further ado, let's go ahead and begin. In December of 2013, Ian Watkins was sentenced for multiple sex crimes against children. Before we get into his charges and how he got here, let's take a step back and and I'll tell you where it all started. Ian Watkins was born on July 30, 1977, in Wales. Ian's mother claimed him to excel in school. He achieved top grades in his high school, which was Hawthorne High School, then later proceeded to excel at the University of Wales and received a first-class honors in graphic design. Ian's biological father passed away when he was very young. I believe he was about five, five years old. And his mother, Elaine, later married a church minister named John Davies. Although his new stepfather was a church minister, his mother claims to have never pressured him into religion and always supported his schooling as well as his singing slash music dreams. Ian Watkins later got a job in graphic design shortly after college, but felt like this was not his calling, so he started a band called Aftermath. This band, however, did not make it very far. Watkins moved from this band and began and began another one called Fleshbind. This band also got scrapped, and once again, Ian Watkins decided to form another group named Public Disturbance. After all these failed groups, Watkins formed Lost Prophets in 1977. And if you're still not aware of who Ian Watkins is, I hope this gave it away because yes, Ian Watkins, as in the ex-frontman of Lost Prophets, the band that sang Last Train Home, you know, the song that's like, and we sing if we're going nowhere, and we sing. Yeah, you guys totally get the point. Sorry, you guys had to hear me sing, but if if that is not enough for you, no pun intended, keep that in mind, my fellow emo kids, and get ready to weep. In 2000, the album The Fake Sound of Progress was released, and this gave the band kind of the kickstart that kickstart that they needed to become more widely known their next their next album was liberal transmission and it was released in 2006 this album was able to get them on the charts 
Ian Watkins' former girlfriend began to speak up. I have seen her name as like Joanna Magic and Joanne Magellix. So for privacy reasons, I think I'll just call her Joe because I'm not sure which one she prefers to go by. Before they became involved with one another, Joe was a huge fan of Lost Prophets, as are the majority of the women manipulated by Watkins. She claims she met Ian through the internet. Joe claims that they had fallen in love after some and after some time. Ian began to confide in her, and he had told her that he, quote, enjoyed sleeping with his 14-year-old fans. She also claimed Ian would, quote, enjoy turning them into his, his so-called super fans, which his, in his definition were women willing to offer their children up for sex. Joe claimed that she threatened to go to the police. Watkins met up with his lawyers and produced a gag order and made her sign it. It is also said that Ian gave her 2,000 pounds, which she claims was for other things and not a bribe. Joe had been an escort and claimed that the 2,000 pounds were for her escorting services, even though she had stated previously that her and Ian, that she wasn't Ian's escort, but that they both loved each other. So I don't know what side of the story I necessarily believe. Joe had agreed to keep quiet but became quite uncomfortable when Watkins sent her a disturbing image of a young, about three- or four-year-old girl. She was holding a picture of a barely-clothed woman. Joe then went to child services. She then gave them the picture, and they sent the information over to South Wales Police, and Joe claimed she went to the police station. After she gave them all the information, they would not provide her any details of the case. She continued to call the police to check the status of the case, but the police continued to give her the runaround. She cut off all contact with Watkins and was unsure of her next move. In May of 2009, the police claimed there was insufficient evidence to make a case. There were multiple claims over the next three years. Wales police continued to make excuses and dismissed all of these claims. Ian Watkins had always talked down on drinking and doing drugs, but in 2009 when the band got signed and made it big, it is said that Ian was never sober and was always on something. Joe began having doubts. She figured that the police didn't find anything, so maybe she overreacted. So the next time Ian and Joe communicated, she apologized and took him back. They made up and met at a hotel. During this hotel stay, Joe had found a video on Watkins' laptop of a young girl being molested. She then kicked him out of the hotel room, but felt like she could not go to the police after what happened previously. After she kicked him out, Joe continued talking to Watkins. He then sent Joe three more images. So she then went to the South Wales Police, and they sent her to the Child Protective Services she previously went to, and from there, they sent her to a detective. She claimed the detective refused to look at her phone to, to view the proof-slash-images that were on her phone. Joe decided to take actions into her, into her own hands. She stated, quote, I had to treat him as any other client and try to get as much evidence as I could while pretending to be whatever it was he wanted me to be, end quote. She then took matters into her own hands and found the father of the child in the first image. She had asked him if he knew of the case that was going around this image and if the police had came down to talk to him. He had no clue. He then went to the police and they had told him not to pursue this matter because it would, quote, ruin Ian Watkins' career. So the father of the child did not pursue the case. On September 21st, 2012, Ian Watkins was arrested for possession. Police had taken his laptop at this time as well. He was then released on bail and met up with Joe. 
While at the hotel, Joe claimed that the first thing he told her was, quote, I've got a two-year-old to rape on Monday. November 14, 2012, Watkins' laptop was finally broken into. One of the passwords was capital I-F-U-K-K-I-D-Z. And if you spell that all out, like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? I don't know. They found 90 pictures of a form of child abuse happening. The children pictured were 2 to 14 years old. 24 of those photos fell into a more severe abuse to children, and there were also 22 photos of bestiality. On December 17, 2012, Watkins was arrested. There are two women women who were also arrested at this time, only known as Woman A and Woman B. Joe stated, quote, His arrest was four years too late for me. I wonder how many other victims there are out there, because from what I knew of Ian Watkins, I'd be shocked if he only tried to do this with two women. Watkins denied the claims and stated that his fans had tried to frame him. Before his trial began, Watkins pleaded guilty to, thir- to 13 counts of child abuse, as well as two counts of attempting to penetrally rape a baby. When Watkins was arrested and waiting for trial, he still had contact with his female fans. His phone call was recorded and read aloud in court, in which he stated all of the all of the events that happened as a mega lulz. After the trial, the judge reached a verdict and stated, I took this straight from the transcript. You can find it on social media. I'm not going to be posting it because it is that bad, but it's like 13 pages long, and if you guys want to find it, you can, but not with any of my help. I therefore adjust sentences in this way. The sentences on count one and two will be 15 years. The sentences on counts eight and nine will be 14 years consecutive. Custodial term 29 years. There will be an extended period of license under section 226A of six years on those counts. All other sentences will be concurrent. Your total sentence is therefore one of 35 years. In your case, that means you will have to serve two-thirds of the custodial term before you can be considered for release release by the parole board. If you are released, you will remain on license for the extended period. Page 12, R.V. Watkins and P&B Sentencing Remarks. In your case, B and P, the usual rule will apply. You will be eligible for release after serving half your sentence. You will then be on license. The detailed provisions will be explained to you by your counsel. Even after the trial, the police still tried to claim that Watkins did not get away with it for as long as he did because he was famous, which is definitely a load of bullshit to me because if they... Okay, if... The father wanted to pursue the case against his daughter in the photo. He could have, but the cops told him not to because it would ruin Ian Watkins' career. So please tell me again that he didn't get away with it for as long as he did because he was famous. Yeah, that's what I thought. They knew what they did and what was going on, and they still refused to look at evidence and listen to people with all of their with all of their claims. And just when you think Ian Watkins is never going to harm anyone now because he's in jail, think again. Because in 2017, a child was taken into the system when it was discovered that the mother of the child had been talking to Watkins. It is said that she would visit him in prison and continue to do so even after her child was taken away from her. Watkins would tell this woman that he, quote, loved her, and in March of 2017, she bought herself an engagement ring, 
and claims Ian told her to buy it. In March of 2018, Watkins was strip searched after a woman called the prison and claimed Watkins had been calling her from an unknown number. Watkins claimed he was holding the phone for some of his fellow inmates who were, quote, not to be messed with. The jury, thankfully, did not buy this and sentenced him to 10 more months. And this episode is going to be kind of short. I could have gone into way more detail, but I really did not want to put you guys through that. There is a lot of sexual abuse um, with children in this case, and there are cases where he gave babies cocaine and... It's it's crazy to me, really, to think about because this had been happening. Well, his ex-girlfriend claimed that this had been, been happening before 2009, before he started doing all the drugs. So if he knew that he was like this, then a piece of me wants to know, like, did he just start taking up all the drugs so that he could have an excuse or something to blame it on? I don't really know that this case is really messed up and I know some of you are going to be upset that I didn't go into detail but it's it's a lot but I just wanted to make the basis known kind of who he was who he was about and what he did and if you guys want all of the details there is a 13 page transcript I read it and then felt like I needed to take a bath in boiling water so if you guys are up for that, go ahead and find it. It's online. It's it's everywhere. But after you partake in listening to this episode and you want to go swallow a bar of soap or eat, a, or eat soap to get this nasty case out of your mind, go give this podcast a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Passions or Peace Podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show and talk to me about a passion you can go ahead and email me at passionsorpeace at gmail.com if you're feeling generous and would like to support the show or get some surprise bonus episodes you can go ahead and find it on patreon at passions or peace podcast remember to stay peaceful stay passionate about the things you love don't be hip- hypocritical don't be lazy make improvements for yourself in the world and don't talk shit if you can't back it up <laughs> good advice huh love you guys stay peaceful stay passionate and i'll see you next week on monday and hopefully that episode won't be a short bye